Hey, this is Brian Akar, host of Why I Left, here to let you know about an important cause for which I'm fundraising and need your support. Child trauma occurs more than you think. More than two-thirds of children reported at least one traumatic event by age 16. Since 1979, the Advocate Childhood Trauma Treatment Program has provided a range of specialized services for the treatment of and healing from experiences of trauma in the Chicago area. Knowing people who have experienced childhood trauma, I'm aware of its lasting impact. That's why, on October 13th, 2024, I'm back running the Chicago Marathon again, representing Advocate Health as a member of the charity running team and fundraising to benefit the program. Please visit the show notes and click the link for Be Run Chicago to donate to this cause. I appreciate any support that you could provide. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Thank you. Welcome to Why I Left, a podcast that explores the great resignation. I'm your host, Brian Akar. Join me as I chronicle real stories from real people about the reasons they decided to leave their jobs during the pandemic and what has happened since. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Why I Left. In today's episode, I chat with Mark Scott. Mark is a sports agent and the founder of Crown Madison, where he helps athletes with their career transitions and life after sports. Let's go check it out. All right, welcome back. So our guest today is Mark Scott. After feeling stuck in corporate HR, he decided it was time for a change and invest in his passion. Now this led to the birth of Crown Madison, a sports agency focused on athlete management, representation, and career development. Now, I'm really interested in his resignation story and how he's helping athletes effectively transition after their careers. So I really appreciate him joining the show. So hi, Mark. How you doing? Thanks for joining. Brian, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for your platform. I'm excited to be here for sure. Absolutely. So prior to us discussing this new venture, Crown Madison, would love for you to tell us a little bit about your upbringing and where you currently call home. Yeah, I appreciate that. So like you said, Mark Scott, from Brooklyn, New York, born and raised Brooklyn, New York. I'm actually still in Brooklyn, New York. Really saw, you know, the changes in the community for both the good and the bad. That's a story for another podcast. Tony and Maria's son, Brian and Tony Jr.'s brother, Ashaya's husband, and a bunch of friends and family all in between. No, that's great. And now prior to launching your own company, tell us a little bit about, you know, your work journey and what you've enjoyed being a part of today. Yeah. So I, I tell people proudly and I talk to my clients about this too. Like I was a job hopper and not in the, you know, the negative sense, but just more so of, I was always curious of, you know, different ventures. And if I heard something in a meeting that I didn't understand, I would always like, what's a controller? Um, what's a CPO mean? I was always just very curious. And that led me to a bunch of different industries and, and, and roles. I always like connecting with people and we'll get into it later about like how the pandemic kind of like took that away. I'm finally getting back into to the Zoom worlds and, and getting comfortable with that. But I was very much so like I love working with people and collaborating with my teammates in person. That was something that I really love to do. Um, and I'm still doing that now, you know, with my new ventures. 
No, that's great. And now we'd love to take you back a little bit, right? So at the time we're recording this, it, it, it's 2023, right? But, you know, in March of 2020, COVID really hits us. We're introduced to the pandemic as we know it now. And look, numbers are really low now. And so maybe it's kind of ending, but, you know, we still got to gotta have a little bit of safety, right? So talk to us a little bit about how the pandemic affected you. I was a business partner. I was an HR business partner for a tech company. And for those who don't know, like a business partner, literally you're the liaison between the business and the code of conduct and the rules and regulations and the employees. So it was a lot of, like I said, connecting with folks, you know, employer relations or development, exit interviews, things that took a lot of relationship building. And when we all of us, you know, that's the thing about the pandemic. It, it was not, it didn't discriminate against anyone. We were all at home. We were all locked down. It was very tough. You know, I didn't have a home office. Like I didn't have this set up. I needed to speak to my stakeholders and it was hard to have this, these, these planning meetings when we're all at home. Not only are we all at home, like I've worked from home before when it's, you know, occasionally, but this was, we're working from home. We don't know when we're going back to the office. We don't know about the company. We don't know about the economy. We don't know about any. So the, the amount of uncertainties we were trying. I know for me, I was trying to act normal, you know, BAU business as usual, but it wasn't nothing was was usual. Right. Like it was unusual. So that was just just very tough. You know, that 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 was a part of, you know, my resignation and stuff and things like that. But that was one of the main factors. I'm just like this job has completely shifted. Right. Business has completely shifted. Yeah, definitely. And how did you notice some of the ways in which you changed the way you worked during the shutdowns? And like you said, you were in the tech industry. So like, what was that impact on the industry as a whole? I remember the day that our head of people told us to take our, I was a person real quick for context. I was a person that I like to be in the office. I know that sounds wild in 2023, but I like <laughs> to be in the office. And I remember when she told us like, Hey, it was like a Wednesday or Thursday might have been the first case in New York. And they were like, just take your computers home, take your monitors if you can, like expense an Uber because we might be home for a week or two. And I'm like rolling my eyes at this point. Like, oh, like, why do we we'll be taking this so serious for and, and I don't want to work from home. So that was just a big. And then obviously, you know, we I've never seen the office that I left. I've never seen it again. Like, And that was March. What? In the teens of March. So the business was just uh, it shifted. We, we we were at tech school that had in-person cohorts. So obviously that was totally different. And again, like I worked with, I was a business partner for the consumer business that was basically working on all the campuses in 10 cities in the United States. So that was literally people were just asking me like, what about my job if we never come back? Like, and me as a business partner and my colleagues, we, you know, our whole, the whole point is to find answers for the business and the employees. We had no answers. And then people, you know, drop in the fact that folks are actually catching this thing that we didn't really know at the time. This is way before vaccinations. This is way before, you know, the many articles and podcasts and all of this about the information of this this virus. It was just so much uncertainty. That was really, really tough. I know, especially for me. Yeah. And, you know, what were some of the things that you started to learn about yourself during this time? I think this the aspect of mental health. I think for me, and I don't want to generalize, let me just speak for myself. It went from zero to 100. I'm either feeling really good or I'm feeling really bad, right? Like I then explored the spectrum of like, I feel okay today or I feel good, but not great. Um, I think that I learned a lot about, you know, 
isolation. Luckily, I was blessed that my wife, she's my wife now, my girlfriend at the time, like we were doing it together. I couldn't imagine like being isolated alone. That was, that was very important to me, like just having someone else to, to bounce ideas off of and, and just, you know, hope and binge watch something that has nothing to do with health <laughs> or anything like that. I just learned a lot about myself. I, w- I was journaling a bunch. I was catching up on reading. I was getting back to, again, this this was a factor into my, my decision. Like I was getting back to the things that I loved because, you know, we were all kind of on an even playing field, so to speak. Right. And now all these things are happening. People, you're not having that at people interaction. So now how did now all of these things going on start to affect now your relationship with your actual job? Uh, Brian, that's a good question. So I was already having, I was at the job, my job in the tech company, three years and change, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And I was already feeling some type of, this is pre-pandemic, so I'm a, this is pre-March 2020. It was already some, you know, some, when I say clashes, just like ideologies, right? Or alignment. When you're a business partner or any like role similar to that, some of the things that you have to carry out, you might not always 100% agree with, right? I might 80% agree, but then it start, slowly started to get to the point like, oh, I disagree with that completely. So there was already some some friction between myself and the company and then my role and like what I had to carry out for the company. But then I was passionate about, like I said, connecting with people and that was giving me a lot of energy. And then when that was done, again, our job, like our job descriptions basically changed. Like now we were turning into these we had to have answers for something like not even the experts knew, right? Oh, what if I take extra PTO or like my partner catches COVID or, you know, the babysitter or the school is closed. Like all of these things already. So on top of that tension was then like, this isn't the job I signed up for. And granted, I'm not the only person in the world that their job scope has changed. But for me, I was already in a tough relationship with the job. And then you throw this in and then fast forward, you throw in what happened with George Floyd. So a lot of the friction that I had with the job was around DEI efforts in the tech space. Um, I know a lot of people of color that are in HR that are recruiters, but I didn't know a lot of people of color that were business partners or generalists, operations, all those other facets of people. And I learned a lot about the impact that HR has on the company. So I'm just throwing this into the pot of how I'm feeling. And then it just... You know, like a crockpot, I just boiled over to the point I didn't want to be there anymore. And I take pride in like doing hard work. Any of my colleagues, whether they liked me or didn't, like they could tell you that I worked hard. I showed up. I was accountable. I was present. And I couldn't say the same about my employer. We'll be right back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Are you struggling with mental health issues but find it difficult to make time for in-person therapy? BetterHelp has got you covered. BetterHelp is an online therapy platform that connects you with licensed therapists from the comfort of your own home. With BetterHelp, you can access professional counseling whenever and wherever you need it on your schedule. And the best part, it's affordable, confidential, and easy to use. As the host of Why I Left, I know that life can be tough sometimes, and that's why it's important to take care of your mental health. BetterHelp offers a wide range of services, including individual counseling, couples therapy, and even online group sessions. So whether you're dealing with depression, anxiety, or any other mental health issue, BetterHelp can provide the support you need to feel better. Sign up for BetterHelp today and start living a happier, healthier life. And as a special offer for our listeners, 
you can get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com slash why I left. That's betterhelp.com slash why I left. Take care of yourself. Right. And so, you know, before we get into, you know, the actual why, right, like looking back on the pandemic, right, what's one thing you might have done differently at, you know, looking at it from this, this Ooh, vantage point? I would have done a lot more. Like I said, I was journaling. I would have found a way to document a lot of my feelings. Um, I was vocal. Right. I was I was vocal, but it kind of got lost in the whole like it's the pandemic. Like a lot of people are, are leaving. I'd have been a little bit more vocal. Like I sent the, uh, my resignation letter. It was like a long like breakdown of, you know, social economical things that were going on in the world. But I think I would have documented it more for me. Like even now I'm talking to you three years later, like there's some things that I'm probably forgetting that, you know, happen or like our grandkids are going to be asking us like grandpa that pandemic in 2020, like, what were you doing? And, you know, I would, I would love to have, you know, some certain things of, uh, that I can share with them and tell them and, and help them. So yeah, I would have probably documented a little bit more and, and really dived into like my story. You know, that's actually sitting really well with me because I'm thinking about, you know, in my role, or at least my role at the time, I was actually heavily involved in some of the redeployment efforts uh, in the healthcare space. And so I didn't take Truthfully, I didn't take a lot of time to like myself to think about that. But like thinking, hearing what you just said now, yeah, that would be, would have been cool to kind of write down some of my thoughts. I ended up doing something about it kind of post, but, um, but like throughout, that's actually, that's actually really solid. I appreciate you mentioning that. So now look, after, you know, being with your last company for almost around three and a half years, I saw you resigned in July of 2020. So ultimately, as the show notes, you know, why did you leave your job during the pandemic? So as far as like, this is the thesis statement, like I left to pursue my plan A and quite frankly, the job was plan B. I got a lot out of it. You know, I appreciate the managers and the colleagues and all of the folks that helped me along the way. But during this, those, this whole story that I was just telling you, sports and athletes was always, you know, tapping me on my shoulder. Um, I was a former athlete. I loved anytime I had an opportunity to work with anyone, um, old teammates, old friends that we're in this space. Obviously, I love sports, watching them and consuming them. Um, I do more research than I'm afraid to admit about, you know, stats and all of this stuff in the business. So with all of the things that I said before, you know, the friction with the company, uh, my own personal journey, it was just time for me to really pursue what I'm doing now and to be an advocate. I was an advocate in the tech space for folks that look like me and some folks that didn't look like me, but I wanted to take all of those skills that I learned and really put them to my passions. And I wasn't doing that in the tech space. So I left for the pursuit of plan A, which was sports, athletes, advocacy in that space, career transitions for athletes. Like I said, I learned that tech company basically used to upskill folks in uh, skills of tech and then get them jobs after that. And I was like, hmm, this is this would have been great. I literally said that when I first started, like if when I was leaving college, sports, I would have loved if I had an alternative besides school, you know, or maybe I would have taken a different route post-grad or something like that. Um, this is around the time too, when like tech is really, you know, hot boot camps and stuff like that, which sounds wild, right? Like in 2023, but this was the time that it was hot, but I wanted to take what I learned and I wanted to push it towards my passion. That was the thing that was missing. 
Um, I wasn't passionate about tech. I was, it was helpful and I got a lot of skills, but the passion was always the lane of sports. You know, one of the things I'm really interested in as I, as the show continues to grow is really, you know, the impact of this decision. Cause it is something that it wasn't an overnight decision. Right. And so how, how did it impact you to make, to finally make this call to leave and how did people respond? So uh, I want the viewers to vision like, you know, like back in the day when we used to play double Dutch, where the, the girls on the block used to play double Dutch and you're like, you're waiting for the, the right time to jump in. So I was always conflicted with that. Like I was just waiting. This is pre 2020. I was already conflicted. Like I was studying for my Asian exam. Um, I was networking in the sports industry, but I was still like, I'll wait till this, you know, like if you, if you want an excuse, you can find one. There's never been a bad excuse, right? The pandemic actually expedited that, right? But the first person I told was my fiance at the time, right? And God bless her. You know, she was all on board because I was going to do it anyway, but it would have been, you know, I was I was a little afraid of like, how is she going to react? Is she going to be, you know, afraid of this? Or, you know, we were always aligned on, on you know, finances and visions and she's always been supportive. But what I was asking, I wasn't really asking, I was telling her. Like, I can't do this anymore. I need to pursue this. She was great. She's always been great. She's still been, you know, solid. My parents were supportive and are supportive. They don't really understand overall the job hopping. That's just not their generation. What do you need a resume for? You get a job, you stay there, you retire, you get pension, you go on vacation. Uh, You know, my dad is going to retire this year. He's been at his job for 42 years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Shout (laughs) out to my pops. Um, Wow, shout (laughs) out to him. Yeah. so, So he's just like... I trust you, Mark, that you're going to do great things. Same thing with my mom. I don't understand what, what you're talking about, but also concurrently, it's the pandemic. As long as you're healthy and you're good, I'm good, right? You know, my brother's the same way. Shout outs to them. You know, we, our parents are like half entrepreneur, half, you know, traditional jobs. So it was kind of like, of course, and I'm the middle child. So of course, the middle child is always going to go a little left all the time. So friends and, you know, other friends, you know, I didn't really, I hate to say this, I didn't really care what they thought. I mean, I've got mixed, you know, when someone projecting their fears, like I get questions like, so what are you going to do? And I was like, I just told you what I'm going to do. And they're like, oh, you're going to, that's it. Like, you just got to pr- pursue your dream. No. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that is the thing that I'm going to do. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I still have, I still have, <laughs> I still have meetups with, with folks and they're still kind of asking me like, Oh, so like this is a thing now because, you know, Crown Madison wasn't in 2020. Crown Madison was in my notebook. You know, it wasn't really like this, what it is now. But, you know, and I just want to make a point, too. I'm not the type of person that like looks down on people that have nine to fives or, you know, doing the whole like this needs to be a hustle culture. Everyone needs to be entrepreneur. I'm, I respect both sides because I'm literally my clients. I'm trying to help them get traditional jobs. So that would be foolish of me and honestly disrespectful to say that. I just know I did, I did what I had to do and I, what I felt was in my intuition and my gut and it worked out for me and my family, right? And it's tough every day. I do sometimes miss the 15th and the 30th getting a guaranteed check, you know? <laughs> that part never got old. I just had to do what I felt was right and I felt like the pandemic, if not now, then when, bro? Like that was really like, <laughs> that's the headline for my life. Like if not now, then what are you going to do? So that's what I learned. I love that and love how, you know, you were very, like you said, you were journaling, you were intentional, like you had a plan for this. And so, yes, you know, we've, 
we've mentioned it a couple of times. Would love for you to to talk a little bit more about some of the things that have happened since you left. So tell us more about Crown Madison. Yeah, thank you. So for one, I got I actually got married in the pandemic too. It was twelve people at my wedding, which actually worked out really, really good. Story for another day. But um, so <laughs> um, like I said, I, I left I left twenty twenty. Shout outs to that company too. You know, they taught me a lot. Even the bad days, I learned a lot. Um, but Crown Madison is a sports agency that we focus on the traditional athlete representation. We also have athlete career development. And what that is, I saw in the market that when an athlete is done with their career, however long that is, you've got people that participate in the Olympics that are in their 30s and 40s. You've got folks that had a two-year career in the NFL or Major League Soccer. There was not only an identity shift that they needed to have, but also they were just like, what the heck am I going to do, right? So I found, again, from the skills that I had back in um, my last career, I was saying, like, I used to do this and I can help an athlete. I know how an athlete thinks. I know what they're up against. I know what society thinks about them. Mostly good things. You know, an athlete just thinks, like, since I'm not performing, yeah, you're not going to have to do autographs after, you know, you do a nine to five shift. But there's still folks that want your skills and there are a lot of transferable skills for athletes in the workplace. So I've been really, really passionate about that. Obviously, you know, the athlete representation is a, is a, is a big thing. Just for the record, I don't do NIL. I know that's a, that's a big thing. Um, I have referrals if you're watching this and you need referrals, but I'm not an NIL guy. Um, I work more of the advisory, the negotiations, finding your worth both on the court and off the court. Right. So you have athletes that just like don't have a resume in their 30s. They don't have a resume because they've been playing organized sports for 20 years. And they have folks that are a little bit older that are just like, I want to just talk about Title IX or I want to talk about endorsement deals and I want to be a keynote speaker. So that whole spectrum of an athlete, that's who I help and that's who I serve. I love that. And I think that space of transition, you know, such a huge drop of not a lot of people, you know, could really relate to that. Right. And so one of the things I noticed was that, you know, you focused on NBA player representation. And so I wanted to share a stat with our listeners and get your thoughts. All right. So the average NBA player's career is about 4.8 years long. And I'm going to just leave that there. I'm going to say it again. The average NBA player's career is about 4.8 years long. Right. So knowing this, how do you and your team kind of prepare clients for this inevitable transition in your life. And I mean, this could be 20 to 24, 26 to 30, right? Exactly. You hit it on the head. You hit it on the head. So to add to that stat, there's only 450 NBA players per season. So, and then I'm going to give you more simpler math. Every year at the draft, 60 players get drafted. That doesn't include, you know, international play, which is you see the top three players in the league are all international people. Giannis, Jokic, and um, DeLuca. I use these stacks to paint the picture for the athlete, right? And some sometimes it's easier than others, right? Sometimes it's just like, you know, the, the term hoop dreams. At the time, you know, I was a football player. And you couldn't tell me in 11th grade that I wasn't going to the NFL. And if you told me that, I would not listen to you, right? I thought you were being negative. Um, there's a thin line between being negative and being realistic. And these are the stats that we use. So it's very, and with that 4.8, it's probably less now if we, you know, if we audit that. But the average, you know, if, let's just say you have a great four year career. You're 22 years old at five, almost five years. You're 28 years old. You have the whole, your whole life ahead of you. 
you have all of these. The main thing about these athletes, too, they suppress a lot of their interests because, you know, they're in college, they're doing study hall, they're student athletes. So they have enough. They have to be a student, stay eligible and play. And then if you're a professional, that's a whole nother thing. You know, the off season is I know people that work harder in the off season to get ready for the season. So they suppress a lot of their stuff. You know, Andre Iguodala is a, is a, is a he, I would love if you're, if you're listening to this, I would love to talk to him because he has been able to find that balance of being a high level player and also like continuing his interest. And then there's a lot of other people. I'm just, I just, he's at the top of my head, but the folks that you never heard of, the folks that I think a lot of people think like, oh, you played two years in the NBA, you're a millionaire. And it's like, no, that was a fringe player. And not to sneeze at their money. They, there's only a period of time that a player gets paid. I, I know I'm going down to, I'm doing my agent thing. Like there's only a period <laughs> of time that you get paid. It's not all year. You have expenses, you know, you have a lifestyle, you have these people that help push you and catapult you, parents and family. So it's not all this money that is cracked up to be for one. And two is that money after you stop playing, you don't continue to get paid unless you have some type of special contract. So. All of that being said, this is my pitch normally, and my pitch is helped by reality, right? This is the reality of it. I want you to be the best player. I want you to eat right. I want you to work out. However, let's start to lay the the groundwork of like what you want to do after. And if like you don't want to work, you want to be the CEO of an organization. All right. You still need help because how are you going to hire? How are you going to know what good leaders look like? How are you going to know the industry? How are you going to know trends? So these are all the things in a nutshell that we do. We have a, a comprehensive system, kind of like a SWOT analysis, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats about the person individually. Like, where do you want to go? What industry? Oh, what? A lot of times I know when I was young, I was like, I want to work in sports. I was like, right. That's so many different <laughs> jobs in sports. Right. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? So niching down also, giving them homework to do like, Research that. What do you like about content creation? Do you want to be behind the camera, in front of the camera? Do you want to? Do you like microphones? Do you want to work in tech? You know, I want. I want to shout out to women athletes. They're a lot. Sorry, fellas. They're a little bit more easier to coach because they know the realities. Even when they make it to the WNBA or or FIBA, they kind of already know this isn't going to last that long, right? And that's just the reason why is that you know that's above my pay grade of why women's sports and and equities about that. But um, I just try to paint the whole picture before. And and a lot of times it's just in conversation before we put a pen to paper. Like, it's just like, here's who I am. I'm authentic. I'm going to keep it real with you. I'm always going to be honest with you and give you the information you need to make the right decisions. It's a partnership between myself and the clients. Damn. And now I'm curious, you know, because I'd imagine at times you're dealing with folks probably younger in career, right? How do you go about building that trust? Because especially as you enter, let's just let's keep on the NBA, but the lifestyle is such where there's a lot of, lot of people asking for a lot of things I can imagine. And so how do you go about building that trust with someone, especially at that age, around those ages? That's a good question. And I, I get this question a lot, like especially on LinkedIn, like how'd you become an agent and stuff like that? And I said, well, first off, you have to be comfortable with the word no, <laughs> straight up. <laughs> like you're going to go to these college campuses, you're going to go to these games and like, yeah, uh, a larger agency is going to come and promise this person something that you can't promise. And I said, at the end of the day, there are clients. I think there's uh, 90,000 basketball players in college, maybe more. There's going to be folks that 
they just like you for you. They don't want the, the large companies, you know, they don't want uh, all these promises. They want you to go on to that living room with the mom or the aunt or the father and, and just keep it real. And me, I just worry about authenticity. I build the trust by being consistent. And the only way I can be consistent if I'm always me, right? And it's that, like I just told you, and information like I just told you, and check-ins on the human being as well. You know, not always talking about the game. Like, how was your day outside of the game? You know, you're going to make and miss shots. How is your well-being? Is today a good day to talk? Like something as simple as that. Is today a good day to talk? Hey, I'm just sending you a text, you know, sold a game or thought about you, finding out their interests, like little things like, oh, you said you were interested in, um, I don't know, development. They're building this new stadium. Always giving value, even if in return you're not getting paid for it. Because you'll get paid in life, you know, you'll get paid in if they don't sign with you, you know, this world, sports world is very small. It looks big, but like the agent world is it's very small. You build a reputation fast. And I think the key to that is just I have to always be myself, always. And I wasn't always like that in my uh, professional career. You know, I was trying to do this or looking at Brian and saying, oh, maybe I should try this. And it's like, yeah, make your own version, but always be yourself. And, you know, one of the fun facts that I, I learned about you is that you've done over 100 exit interviews, Right. And so I'm really curious now. That, that's a lot of conversations. <laughs> okay. And uh, <laughs> what are some of like the top trends, maybe top five trends or so that you've noticed throughout these types of conversations of people leaving an organization? Yeah, that's a good question, Brian. So first, I think when people think about folks that quit or resign, they think of like sitcoms or, or cartoon where people come in there and say, I'm flipping the table, I'm leaving. That's that's very rare, right? This is a, a process. It starts it starts sometimes from the first ninety days. Sometimes it starts like with a new manager. So I think communication is definitely one. That's a trend. Folks are just like, hey, I was told this, and that's not really. Oh, my job has changed. Like the, sh- the focus of my job that I got hired for has changed. That kind of happened with me. Sometimes it's just dollars and cents. Honestly, like, hey, yeah, I'm doing the same job for more money, and that's it. I wanted something new mismanagement. That's that's a popular one. You know, mismanagement of just like you think you might think your manager is incompetent. You might manager might, you know, have a style that you just don't like or, you know, don't agree with. Sometimes it's opportunity and growth. You know, you're at a senior manager level and you're getting an offer for director. And it's just like straight up, shake your hand. I got to hop on that. And sometimes I'll be in an exit interview, honestly, like I'm not talking you off the ledge. Congratulations on that. You know, people think like HR is like going to try to, yeah, you want to keep talent in the building, but I'm not going to stop a person's growth, you know? And then lastly, but sometimes most importantly is the first 90 days onboarding. I've been in exit interviews where folks were saying, been there two, three years. And I was like, you know, it all started off bad the first 90 days. I didn't get my computer on time or my manager told me this or my manager was on maternity leave and it just started downhill from there. You know, it, it, it's tough to, to leave a job. Like it's it's tough. It's not as easy, and you know, it's easy for another person to say you should just leave. Like you go to happy hour and you tell your friends what's going on. It's like yeah, you should just leave, and it's like it's not that easy. People got you know a lot of different things, a lot of motivations of you know why they're in a situation. So those are the five. You know, communication, net worth, or you know, value, compensation, uh, mismanagement, opportunities, and um, the first ninety days slash onboarding. If any leaders are listening to this onboarding is very, very important. No, absolutely. And now I'd love for you to now reflect on kind of this whole experience, now launching your company, everything that you've been through these past few years. 
What have you learned most about yourself throughout this process? I learned that in some version, some percentage, I was always right. And what I mean by that is I always felt like I was going to be in this situation. Obviously, I couldn't craft like the clients that I was going to get or the opportunities I was going to get, but I knew I was always going to be pursuing this. Like this passion of mine, I was always going to get to it. And I got pushed in a way that no one could have predicted. Well, at least I couldn't have predicted March 2020, right? But I was always right. Like I was always pursuing this. It was a little bit passive back then, but then I just jumped. I'm the type I had to jump out the plane. You know, I, I just had to take that leap. But that's what I learned. I, w- I was always right. And I'm continuing to be right as far as not only my passions, but my personality and, and just serving others. It just happens to be athletes, you know, it happens to be in a sexy industry. But it's really just comes down to I always was right about adding value to people and taking what I learned and hitting the elevator down. Right. Because I've gotten opportunities that folks that look like me never got. Right. But it's my job to then be like, hey, this is how you're supposed to do it. Um, this is what I did. You know, I'm I'm very honest with my clients about my trials and tribulations and what I learned and, you know, how to go about things. But that's what I learned overall. I was always right. I like that. And, and it sounds like I can hear in your story and the conversations that we've had, you're staying true to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you can't be any happier or prouder of yourself than to stay true to some of the things that you believe in. So kudos to you for that. Now, part of the show that I always love to share with our listeners is really about the advice that you, that people would have for others. And so when you think of for people who might have a similar situation to yours, but are really unsure about what to do next, what are some things that you suggest that they do? Wow. Uh, the first thing is you got to think of yourself as a business, right? And when, when I say by that, like the first thing you should do is you should not tell everybody what you're going to do if they're not a value asset in your life's company, so to speak. So, you know, you have folks that are just tell everyone they speak to, all their friends, all the group chat, because you're going to get so many different. It's already a tough time to transition, right? It's a tough time to leave your job, pandemic or no pandemic. But I think a lot of times people just, you know, they ask me for advice, but they already have four opinions from other people. And I'm just sometimes I'll just ask a person like, what do you think? Yeah, everyone's going to tell you you're going to be okay, but your name is on the mortgage or the the lease, the car note. Like, what are you going to do, right? And I just try to guide them there. I don't, I don't try to give them what I would. Excuse me, I don't try to 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 frame them to what I would do. I just give them if I were in your situation. That's that's two different things. So that's one. Again, be true to yourself. Find your passions. If you follow your passions, more than likely you'll figure it out. Right. Like you'll figure out what to do, what iteration. I'm pretty sure when you when you thought of this podcast and this platform, this might be V3 of what you originally thought of. But it's I can tell you're passionate about this and sharing these stories. So that's another thing. I know this sounds corny, but a positive mindset, like you got to be positive, like whatever you think about, it's going to happen. If you think you can't or if you think you can, you're right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you, Whatever you if it's negative it's going to be negative. You know, why would someone just think about if you're looking in the mirror, why would you want to work with this person? Why would you want to help this person if everything is so negative? And I'm not saying, you know, be fake or be, you know, you're going to have bad days, but just be positive, man. Just just I can't stress that enough. I think that's what helped me through the pandemic, just positive. And it was, you know, some days were, were better than others, of course, but just staying positive, positive, positive. Absolutely. And now specifically now, given your nature of work. 
for college or even pro athletes, right, who are preparing for life after the sport, what are your top three pieces of advice that you'd share with them? I would say all three of them are networking, but I'll give you some other. <laughs> like, and when I say networking, specifically for a student athlete, it's the only time in your life where you have an excuse to be distracted from sports because you're a student athlete. So go to all the club meetings, you know, speak to all the media folks, speak to all the people that come to the games, build those relationships, the tutors. I made a post about this on LinkedIn the other day. Build your tribe because you're going to need that. The whole point of homecoming is when everyone comes back, they want to know what you're doing. And the whole point of an alumni network is to use it. So that's one. I think, I guess, the opposite of suppressing your interests, like even if you can't pursue it because you're pursuing high level sports, you know, read up on what you want. If you're into economics, read that type of stuff. At least stay passively active. So when you transition, you're not completely lost. And then by the time you come to a person like me, we can hit the ground running because it's like, OK, you already know the baseline minimum of, of what this industry is. And I think just internally, like internally audit the industry that you're in, which is sports like stat that Brian said earlier, 4.8. You should know. I shouldn't be telling basketball players this, right? Like they should know that. But, you know, it's a thin line between having irrational confidence and, you know, focusing on positive things and having those things put down in your mind. So I do understand that. But just, you know, you can still perform at a high level and be realistic about like, hey, there's a time on this and I need to start thinking about that. The three out of many things that I have for those folks, those are the top three. I like that. And now kind of our... Last wrap-up question, what type of impact are you hoping to have in this next chapter of your professional life? Looking forward. Brian, I got some big dreams, man. I want this to be the standard of athlete representation. So if you go on any of these top uh, CAA or, or any of these type of, of sports agencies, they always say full-service agency. However, the caveat is like it's only full-service when you're performing at a high level. Right. Like so in some agencies, they have like off the court type of thing. And I know the MBPA does a good job with that. But I want this to be the standard. And I want this, whether it's Crown Madison or, you know, duplicates that I want this to be a part of our negotiation process of getting clients of like, not only are they going to do all the things that everyone else does, they also have this department and this niche. Like I'm going to be good regardless, regardless when my knees work, my back goes out. I'm going to be good because I'm going to make impact in another industry outside of sports. That's one of the biggest things. Like every time I talk to somebody, they're just like, oh, I never thought of that. Right. Which is, you know, it is what it is. Like I'm, I'm not really motivated by by that. I don't need that validation because I already know that this is a passion of mine and, and it's already had impact for the clients we work with. But I want this to be I want this to be a little bit louder, so to speak. I like that. Well, look, Mark, thank you for joining the show today. I'm glad that we got connected. I loved hearing about your story, right? And like I mentioned, I was really drawn to this. You know, look, my whole platform is around people and their their shifts, right? And, and that shift from athlete to, for lack of a better word, civilian, right? You know, right, right. Is, is a huge thing. So I love what you're doing to support what you're doing to help athletes with that transition. So where can our uh, listeners find you and support you? And see the, the work that you do. Yeah, for sure. So definitely we're on LinkedIn, both myself, Mark Scott, and Crown Madison on LinkedIn. That's the main spot that I'm on. You know, find my email on our website, crown-madison. That's a good way. Or just um, maybe hit Brian up if uh, go on his page and see this interview. 
and we can chat. I, I love to have conversations not only about this, but other ways that I could work with. I'm trying to get yoga and wellness type of thing along with the transition because I know, you know, our bodies and our minds are, are very connected. And I'm the type of person like I want you people that work with me. I want you to do what you're good at. Right. So that's where you can find us. LinkedIn, email, website. Awesome. All right. Thank you for that info. So look, that'll do it for today's episode. Again, I want to thank my guest, Mark Scott, for joining me today. I'll make sure I share his information in our show notes. And look, I hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next time. Mark, thanks again. Thanks, bro. Thanks again for listening to Why I Left. Be sure to join us next time for more stories from the Great Resignation. Visit us at www.whyileft.co. That's whyileft.co. And subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, podcasters. It's Brian Akar, host of Why I Left. Are you ready to take your show to the next level? I've got a game changer for you. Meet Dave, the genius behind apodcastgeek.com and the man who keeps me and Why I Left looking and sounding so crisp. Whether you're a seasoned podcaster or just getting started, Dave's got your back. He's the go-to producer for podcasters who demand nothing but the best. At apodcastgeek.com, you can easily order your next episode. And the best part, got a special offer, is you'll receive 10% off your first order using code BA10. That's right, 10% off to kickstart your podcasting journey by simply using the code BA10 at checkout. Now don't wait. I know you've been thinking about starting a show and maybe this is your sign to just get out there and do it. So what I want you to do is visit apodcastgeek.com, sign up and start creating amazing content. Dave and his team are simply amazing and you won't regret it. At apodcastgeek.com, they're going to help you reach new heights with your podcast. And of course, tell them that Brian from Why I Left sent you. See you soon.